What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Round Two Podcast. This is your host, Nikki Corbett, and I am once again recording from my closet. We're still getting things in motion up here to have a more studio-like environment, and also we're going to be getting on YouTube, and I'm really excited, and I also noticed that I keep saying we, and we is me. We is just me. So in case anybody was wondering, we is me. Um, today I have a college friend of mine on the Zoom with me. His name is Steve. So we've known each other now for like 20 plus years, which is crazy thinking that it's been that long since our college days. But I'm really excited to talk to him. He has a very interesting story. As he is telling it, I'm going to be hearing so much of it for the first time. I'm sure as many of you know with college friends, there a lot of them are people that you keep in touch with intermittently. And Steve is one of those people that I've had the pleasure of reconnecting with over the years on and off because we have a lot of good mutual friends. So I am very excited to let him introduce himself and share his journey with us today. Hi, Steve. Hi, Nikki. Great to see you still in the closet. You look good. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I uh, appreciate you uh, asking me to join this podcast. And, um, you know, I, like I said to you before we started recording, I, when you first asked, I, before I committed, I wanted to listen to what you were doing and see what it was all about before I committed. Wow. And, and I absolutely love what you've done thus far. Mm-hmm. I've listened to everyone as they've come out on Monday mornings. Um, and I think you're a natural at this. So again, I'm just, I'm just humbled that you wanted to ask me and to participate. So I'm excited. Well, good. I'm excited to have you here. Thank you. So yeah, I'm, I'm Steven, um, college days known as Steve, I guess <laughs> my adult days go by Steven in a weird oh my way. Gosh, that's funny. Add, that's, uh, add that to the list of things I didn't know. There you go. Um, yeah, I'm 45. Um, I grew up in, uh, San Francisco in Marin County, actually, um, Went away to college down in San Diego, where Nikki and I and uh, became friends with our circle of friends. Um, and shoot, that was twenty five something years ago. We probably first met. That's crazy. So, um, and uh, when I graduated from college, I moved up to LA to pursue the entertainment industry, and I've been here ever since. Um, you know, I've been carving out a career over the past 23 years since we graduated, which is just mind blowing to me. Um, yeah. So it's absolutely nuts. I'm just shaking um, my head speechless as you're saying that. It's- oh my God. I know. I can't believe it. Um, I currently live in Hermosa beach just outside of LA been down in the South Bay for maybe 12 years now. Absolutely love it. I'm close enough to LA to be there whenever I need to for meetings and whatnot. But outside of that, you know, that bubble. And, and I really love that. Um, let's see, I am, uh, a son. I am a brother. I am a boyfriend. I am a dog dad. Um, I, uh, dog dad. I'm a dog dad, no kids for me. Um, but two dogs, which are, which are awesome. Um, and if you follow me on Instagram, all I do is post little quick little stories of them running with just some kind of music. Usually it's like, Dr. Dre or some hip hop or something. As it should be. be. (laughs) Um, But uh, yeah, so, you know, I think um, so much of what I want to talk about and focus today is is an incident that happened to me um, about four years ago now um, that really changed my life. Um, 
for the better. Um, even though I wouldn't wish it upon my worst enemy what happened, I wouldn't trade the experience and what I've got out of it for anything. And, um, you know, so let's see, June 24th, I'll just start in, right? Right. Yeah, so June 24th, 2018, um, I was competing in a triathlon, um, the Hermosa Beach triathlon, which I had done a handful of times before. So it wasn't this, you know, first time thing. And um, I was going through a weird time in my life, right? So I was at the time separated from my then wife, now ex-wife. Um, we were going through a, a really challenging time. Um, I decided I wanted to like stop drinking and go on this really extreme healthy kick, which I did. Um, so, you know, just a, almost a few months before the incident, um, you know, I, I stopped drinking and, you know, living that, that lifestyle and signed up for this triathlon and had a couple of my best friends join me. And I was feeling really good, you know, um, and the triathlon, as you know, is a swim, bike, run. Is it that um, the order that it's in? It's swim, it is, and run? Yep, okay. in that order. Um, and the first leg was the swim, the ocean swim, and everything went smooth. Got out of the water, got to the transition area, jumped on the bike. And um, about halfway through the mileage on the bike, and it's a sprint try, so it's not like Ironman status. We're just talking very manageable. Um, but it's a sprint, so you're just going and going and pushing yourself as hard as you can. Um, and, um, about halfway through the bike, um, I've started feeling this weird tingling sensation in my left arm. And I thought really nothing of it other than, you know, maybe the bike that I borrowed from a friend, I wasn't sitting right. And I wasn't oh, did right. it feel so, like your arm was falling asleep kind of, yeah, it was exactly that. It was like this tingly, like it was falling asleep. And, and I just thought like the bike that I borrowed wasn't, wasn't working well. And then I started getting some pretty major pain in my upper chest, um, which felt like, you know, pressure. And so the story I told myself was that I was getting a cramp, you know, and that's what all this biological stuff was going on. And it, I, I was a little pissed because I trained really well for this thing. And my buddies, are, two of them are down from San Francisco and we're all in different places on the course. And I'm like, man, this, what, I don't know. I don't want them to beat me, you know? Yeah. And so I finished the bike part and I put the bike down and I'm heading off for the run, the third leg. And I didn't get maybe a mile, probably less than a mile into it when I, when I started getting much worse. Um, and I didn't say anything to anyone. Again, I thought I was getting a cramp, um, and I wasn't going to go out like a chump over a cramp. Yeah. And, um, but I couldn't run and I was sweating profusely more than I should have. And my vision was starting to get blurry and was just walking in the direction that I needed to go. And the best way to describe the visual aspect of it is during the holiday season, um, you see storefront windows with like fake frosted white snow around the side oh, yeah, sure, of the sure. storefronts. Yeah. That's what my vision was like at oh. first. And then over a matter of minutes, it all enveloped as white as you could imagine. Um, just so like you just had walked into like a wall of snow or something. Exactly. And just all white. And that was the moment I fully collapsed to the ground and had a massive heart attack. Um, wow. And, you know, I suffered, I, 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 I had the Widowmaker, which is a heart attack that is the number one killer among men in the world. Wow. And it's when the LAD artery in your heart um, becomes um, blocked or fully blocked in my case. 
And, um, and I dropped to the ground. I was fully out. Um, and it was just this white sensation. I had no idea. I was dead. I was, but I was dead. And I lied there on the ground for five and a half minutes um, no before, way. before I was brought back to life. Um, I had no pulse. I wasn't breathing. And um, two people saw this happen to me and actually do something about it. One lady, um, and this, you know, it's so much part of my story as well. It's like everything happens for a reason and, and everything happens the way it's supposed to happen, you know, and yeah. in, in weird ways. And um, there was a lady who was just walking on the strand that morning she saw me collapse. She was the first one to rush over to me, um, saw that I wasn't breathing, had no pulse, called 911 and began chest compressions. Oh well, she was, she was an ER doctor. Oh my gosh. Just so happened to be walking by at that exact moment. Yeah. Um, a second person was competing in the triathlon, stopped the race because there was a crowd gathering around me uh -huh. um, and he was helping her they took turns giving chest compressions right because uh -huh. five and a half minutes is quite a long time long time um he was an off-duty inglewood police officer okay and um about you know five four or five minutes in first responders arrived again these two people were still doing chest compressions on me um, the most important people that showed up was a lifeguard truck off the beach with a defibrillator. Oh. And the first responders grabbed that defibrillator. They ripped my shirt off. They hooked me up with those paddles and gave me a shock the first time, which I was non-responsive to. They had to wait another 30 seconds for the machine to reboot and then shocked me a second time. And that second shock is what got a faint pulse back to me. Oh um, apparently I shot up and, you know, kind of waved my hands around, but then it was just out again, you know, unconscious. Wow. And um, they rushed me in the ambulance to the emergency room. They rushed me down to the cath lab because they obviously knew it was a cardiac situation. Uh -huh. They saw that I had a hundred percent blockage in my LAD, in my main artery. And I had no idea right? That I was in the crosshairs for an event like this to happen. Again, I was, you know, almost three months sober at the time. You know, I stopped any fun recreational drugs or yeah. something that I used to partake in every now and then. And, you know, I was, I was pretty healthy. I was 41 years old, you know, competing in a triathlon. Yeah. Like what the hell and why and how did this, did this happen? And so, you know, through the um, operation, they went through my groin and a catheter and, and through some pumping mechanism, they were able to remove the blockage um, of my heart, of my artery, and then put two stents in that artery, which I'll have for the rest of my life. Okay. And then, um, you know, I recovered in the ICU for, for three days after that, um, before oh, recovering at home. Yeah, three days. Yeah. And um, I came to that afternoon in the ER um, and, you know, my ex-wife was there, my brother was there, my nephew, my two friends that I did this with, you know, I had some immediate friends and family that showed up. Um, and they were all asking before I came to, they were all asking the cardiologist, like, doc, like, again, how does this happen? Like, you know, 41 and this and that. He's like, well, we're going to find out why we're going to continue to run tests and there's you know, coming months, which, which sure. we did and found out that I had genetic coronary heart disease, oh, right. Okay. Which was a 
a genetic condition that ran on my mom's side of the family. Uh-huh. I had no idea that I was in those crosshairs, right? Wow. Um, but he, again, they're like, you know, he, he stopped drinking three three months ago and, he, you know, he's healthy. Like, he's like, I, I, you know, again, we didn't know that it was genetic coronary heart disease at the time, but he goes, I'm going to tell you right now, the only reason why he survived was that he was sober and his body was just strong enough in those three months of choosing this healthier lifestyle so that he could come back to life from being truly like dead for five and a half minutes. I had a 4% chance of survival when this heart attack, the Widowmaker happens in external environments such as where it took place. And, um, you know, again, if it happened walking in the side streets at 6 a.m. with the dog or, you know, whatnot, I I wouldn't have survived it, right? It just, everything happened the way it did for me to come back to life from that. And that was eye-opening. That was really, truly life-changing. I mean, yeah, that's, (laughs) I mean, 4%, that's so minimal when you say it's the number one killer of men. Yeah. Um, so that I assume that that's a lot of people or a lot of men. And then 4% of that is not very many. And then it's talk about like the like serendipitous moments of being like the the right place with the right people walking by with the, with the lifeguard truck of that close with the defibrillator. How many minutes was it from when you first felt the tingle in your arm to when you collapsed? Probably half an hour. Um, yeah, probably. But again, I was kind of macho and prideful and of course, for myself I mean, and doing and an, a, a physical activity at that level, of course, you've yeah. been training and you know that there are certain things that can happen with your body. I mean, I haven't ever done a triathlon, but I've done a few half marathons and it's kind of like, yeah, you, you know, like, okay, maybe I'm going to get a cramp or maybe something I'm going to step on a branch and my ankle is going to tweak a bit or whatever. And of course you're going to be like, I'm not a pussy. I can do this. Exactly. And that's what I was telling myself. And I, the yeah. word heart attack truly never even entered my vocabulary. Sure. If it yeah. had, perhaps maybe I would have flagged someone down like, yo, I'm not feeling very good right now. Yeah. But I just thought it would pass. I just yeah. thought it would pass through this. I would walk through this, you know, and, and you know, something was going to shift and change. Well, it changed, it shifted and it, and it dropped me, it dropped me and it, and it, and it killed me. If I, if there weren't people around to save my life, I would have been, I would not be here today. And, and, you know, those, those are the moments that like have you think, right. That's, that's wow. life's, life's choices and decisions that we make when we make them at the time when we need to, you know, whether we know that we need to or not. I mean, three months prior to this heart attack is when I decided to like stop drinking and, just trying to turn my life back around. Cause I was, you know, I was feeling upset about the divorce and sure. the last few months of that, I was intoxicating myself, medicating yeah, yeah. myself just to kind of numb that pain and what I was going through. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I was like, this isn't helping. This isn't right. working. Let's walk through this experience soberly and yeah. clarity and respectfully. And, you know, and then, you know, let's, turn, let's, let's get a little fitter. Let's get a little healthier. And I've always maintained basic, you know, health and fitness. But, like, I was like, come on, let's, let's, let's turn the corner here and use this as a, as a great experience. And um, But those decisions that I, that I made to get sober at the time, right, weren't, didn't calculate in the fact that 
I need to do this because in three months from now, I'm going to drop dead of a massive heart attack. And if I'm not strong enough physically, I will not survive it. You know what I mean? So all those weird things, that all the, all the hundreds of reasons I had chose to get sober three months before, not one of them was yeah. about to have a heart attack and I need to be I mean, I Imagine if we could have that sort of foreshadowing, right? <laughs> to know these types of things, but no, but I mean, that's what's I, that's what's funny. Cause you, you said something about, you know, things happen as they should. And that's a phrase I use that often where, um, you know, things happen as they should. And I always like, I always remind myself of that. I mean, even, you know, even through some of the trials and tribulations of my life, I'm always just like, well, you know, things happen as they should, like, like I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. And that's, what's just so crazy thinking that, you know, yeah, it's like, we don't, we don't get this roadmap of, Hey, this is what's going to happen in your life over the next two years. So prepare yourself. Yeah. Totally. But those choices that we make along the way, they're really meaningful and they have impact whether you realize it or not, you know? And and so, you know, when things, when, when something like this happens to a lot of people, and I've done a lot of research on like near death experiences since then. Well, to talk about that really quickly, because a lot of people ask, well, so did you see, you know, with a gray beard? (laughs) Did you, did you see, you know, did you see how no, I didn't see a white man with a gray beard pointing his finger at me. Go back. It's not your time. You know, right, that didn't right. happen to me. I didn't see like my grandma who was, I was really close to who had passed away. You know, I didn't see anything like that. I also didn't have an out of body experience where I was looking down at my body. Okay. Um, and from what I've learned in the research that I've done in NDEs, near death experiences, because these people intervened so quickly Oh. And, and kept the blood flowing from my um, heart to my brain. Yeah. Right? Uh-huh. Um, a, I still have, you know, my faculties with me for sure. the most, arguably today. Uh-huh. Um, but also, um, you know, I, I was, I had the oxygen going. So I didn't have like this full okay. separation of consciousness or whatever it was. Now, yeah. now I was dead. I, five yeah. and a half, I was coded out. I was not alive at that time. Um, so anyway, my near death experience was very peaceful. Mm-hmm. It was beautiful. Like I explained, uh, um, described it as just white and that's all it was. It was uh-huh. maybe the white light, maybe that yeah. what it was. I don't know. Um, but, um, I was here one minute and I was gone the next. Just so then after that, like, what's the next thing you remember? Like you wake up in the hospital and you're like, what the hell happened? Well, so I, re- I remember coming to slightly in the back of an ambulance and looking at these people around me and then back out again. Like that was like a one or two second eye opening. I opened my eyes and then back out again. Okay. I remember being wheeled in some on a gurney or whatever it was. Uh-huh being in some weird dark hallway in the hospital to the cath lab. I think that was. Okay. And then here's the one that, that people always kind of are shocked by. Um, when I was under um, and they were doing the, putting the stents in or at some point in that process, I actually flatlined four more times, like three okay. times. So they had to revive me four more times in this process. Right. Yeah. Tool of. And the last time, um, I guess they thought they needed to revive me. I was on the table, operating table, and I guess I was still awake because the shock from the um, from the paddles 
I was awake from or, or it woke me because uh -huh. I shot up off the table screaming, oh, shit, like an expletive. And then it knocked me back out again from the pain. Oh, When so I met the doctor later that afternoon, he's like, yeah, I, you didn't like one of those things. I did <laughs> you. And I was like, oh, my God, I remember that. Right. Like, oh, wow. I remembered, remembered that like that pain <laughs> that, I, that I had. Um, but then it was like, I, I came to that afternoon and saw people around me and I was really confused. I had no idea. I was like, where's my bike? I, I was in like triathlon mode still. Like oh. I had no idea. Where's my bag? Where's my backpack? Where's the, you know, where's the, what happened? You know, I didn't know anything that was going on. And yeah. I was told that, you know, I had a massive heart attack and, and then saw people around me. And then, you know, talk to the doctor and, you know, it was, a, it was just like those first three days were in the ICU were a little bit fuzzy, certainly the first couple. Yeah. But then, you know, I went home and recovered for um, easily a couple of weeks before I really got active again. Yeah. I was there. Were you super sore from all of the, I was very sore. I mean, I had a couple broken ribs from oh, them doing the chest compressions. I had yeah, everything, everything hurt and was, I felt fragile. I just truly felt wow. vulnerable and fragile and, and, but I also felt alive. Like mm -hmm. for the first time in a long time, I felt alive. That and, is a really cool, like way to describe it. Well, everything and, and and I wish I could say it still lasts today for plus years later, but it's not. But like, those first couple of weeks, everything was in technicolor. Like the, the 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 grass was greener, the flowers were flowerier, and the you know everything like everything just felt like it was in technicolor. And and I remember this turning point in my in my life was you know, a few days into this healing process at home. Was sitting outside. It was you know July, early July at this point. The sun was shining, and and I was and I just felt like again so alive and so happy, and, and the sun was shining, and I was like, this the biggest smile on my face, right? Like fuck yeah, I was I'm like, still oh here. God, I can't believe this, and then like instantly collapsed to the ground in tears of Aww. like, oh my god, I can't believe I'm alive. Like it was just yeah. the high and low of that thing maybe hit me for the first time in that moment sure. and you know still maybe not really wrapping my head around why I'm still here and why you know what's my purpose you know all those existential conversations you can have with yourself and, and, I, and I still do right we all probably do sure. um but um it was at that moment I was like oh my god I'm just so grateful to be alive and like you know what do I want to do with that you know I remember there's the the cardiologist's words echoing in my head like you wouldn't have survived this if you hadn't stayed sober like and I knew me like I was I just wanted to get my right the ship you know at the time yeah I, I never wanted to stay sober for the rest of my life I just I liked my you know existence and you know I liked being able to party with my buddies and this and that but like yeah. I've chosen to completely strip that out of my life at this point and it's four and a half years later I haven't had a, a drink or anything like that in that amount of time. It's the best decision I've ever made in my life. Like truly the best decision. And, and that wouldn't have come if I hadn't have had all this go down Yeah, the way it went down, you know, yeah. from, from the divorce, the separation, the heart attack, the recovery, this all happened in like a six month 
stretch in 2018, mind you. Like yeah. the worst six months of my life, it was like, oh my God, what is going on, you know? But again, like I said earlier, like I wouldn't, I don't wish it on my worst enemy, but I, I wouldn't trade it in for anything today because of the lessons I've kind of learned from it and how I want to move on, live my life moving forward and, and, and react to things or not react to things and overreact to things. You know, the way I just kind of choices that I make now in my, in my, in my life are so much because of that experience, you know, and that growth from it. And people say all the time too, like, you know, the two, there's two paths, right? Like you can have an experience like this and, and, and choose one like I have, like, all right, great. Like I want to live my life with clarity and soberly and, you know, and all that. Or like, well, fuck it, excuse my French, but like I could be dead tomorrow, right? Yeah. Like I'm going to do whatever I want, you know, and live however I want and eat and drink the way, however I want. Like you could do that choice too. And that's all you, that's all, that's, you know, to each their own. I chose, you know, the former and, and moving forward in my life. And, you know, it's just the, all these things just had to have to happen for them, for me to get to where I'm at. And I'm so grateful that they happened. No, I think that's, I mean, it's amazing because it is, it is so easy, I think, to, you know, put ourselves in a victim type role when something bad happens or we make a choice that's tough or we find ourselves in a situation at a certain age and then kind of like the woulda, coulda, shouldas come into play or you start, you know, feeling bad for yourself, like why did this happen to me or all of those different things. But I think I think it's so wonderful when instead of going that route, which I do kind of feel can be the easy route, right? Because it's easy because people are going to feel bad for you, right? Like, oh my God, you had a attack. Like, oh my God, all these things happened to you at the same time. And you were going through all of this. And you know what, what's the phrase? Like adding insult to injury and all that. But I think if you can choose to say, okay, like, how am I going to grow from this? How am I going to change from this? What am I going to, like, what is, what's the positive, right? Kind of like how when we first jumped on Zoom before we started recording, you know, I was saying how I feel like the, the level of self-awareness that I personally have right now where I'm constantly like, what can I learn from this? Like, how, what am I taking away from the situation? Even if my feelings are hurt, even if I'm like, wow, that was really fucked up of that person. Or if I'm like, wow, this is going to be really challenging and really tough, and I'm going to have to try really hard. I still think there's so much positive out of every situation. So I think hearing that you were like, wait a minute, I'm going to say, how can I like choose to live and live in a way that works best for me Mm -hmm. after this is so you know, inspiring. And then also not like falling into that victim mentality of like, Oh my God, why did this happen to me? Woe is me because you can't go back and change it. It happened. You survived. So it's like, how are you going to move forward and live the best life for yourself? That's right. And and that's, that's everyone's own, you know, you have to come to that place on your own. Right. Like I want to own my story. You know, like I want to tell people who are curious about, you know, my heart attack. And I, I want to tell the story to men in my life yeah. because there's so many preventative things men can do to catch this, you know, ahead of it happening. You know, it's, 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 it's heart disease, genetic coronary heart disease, right? Like it's, it's real. And like, there are stressors in life that we can avoid. And, and, you know, from, from, you know, again, just stress and anxiety, but like obesity and, drinking and smoking and all these things that like, you know, 
get a handle of it, especially if you know that you're in the crosshairs because you have a genetic history in your family. Like guys, like get ahead of this stuff. Are there any sort of, like, do you have to take any kind of drugs or is it the stints and just like doing a, living a healthier lifestyle and, you know, maybe eliminating certain foods or whatever? So a, a number of things. Um, the stents are definitely doing their job. They're fantastic. And, um, and I was on a, a whole dose of medication the first year, uh, probably nine different things, I think. Yeah. You know? um, but then um, I've since weaned myself off of most of those per the doctor's orders. And so I, now I take like three things regularly, which is totally manageable. And yeah. I don't mind. I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> hey. <laughs> Whatever. It's all good. Yeah. But, uh, but the healthy choices too, that I've made, I mean, again, I had the mindset, certainly my twenties and and leading into my thirties where I was like invincible, you know what I mean? Like I didn't have a lot of consequences in my life or just, okay, I got in trouble here or there for this or that, but like, you know, I never really have to own, own up to that kind of stuff. So I, whatever. I ate whatever I wanted to eat. I drank whatever I wanted to drink. I worked hard, played hard. That was my mentality and my philosophy. And, mm-hmm. and, and that's not sustainable. Yeah. It's just not like I am, you know, <laughs> mortal, right? Like I, <laughs> I can drop dead in, in a heartbeat at any moment. And so can you. And like, not you, but like generally, general you. Oh, of course. Yes. Yes. So, and, and so, just to be clear. Um, and, and so it's like, I've I, like moderation is just so much of a bigger thing for me now. Like I haven't like eliminated anything from my life, but I'm probably 85% vegetarian now, you know? So like I've cut out the majority of like red meats and, and even meats in my life. Like, uh-huh. now mind you, if I crave a steak, I allow myself to have one. If I crave a burger, I allow myself to have one. But because I eat it so less now, I don't crave it as often either. Right? right? Isn't that so, such a phenomenon? Like, no, it's fantastic. I mean, I always remind myself of that when I when I realize, especially like sugar. I'm not like a candy type person. When it, you know, I, I'm. I don't. I mean, oh, I am. I love like a pink Starburst, but I'm more of a chocolate cookies, brownies type. Mm, yeah, me too. Get me going. I mean, God, if put a box of C's candy in front of me and watch out. <laughs> um, but I do notice when I either just say, okay, I'm going to take a break from refined sugar, or if I just get it out of the house, it just, after a few days, it's like you just completely stop thinking about it. Well, I think you just hit the nail on the head with getting it out of the house. Like most of my decisions come from the grocery store. Like I know myself. Yeah. I can't buy a pint of Haagen-Dazs ice cream and have it in my freezer. It won't last a night. Well, it's and complete even, bullshit that they say a pint is four servings. In no, what please. world is a pint I, four servings? I won't serving even get through the first night without like mindlessly finishing it without even realizing it. So, but back to like moderation and like when I'm out in the world and I pass by like an ice cream shop and it's a Sunday afternoon. I'm like, that sounds good. I'll allow myself, you know, I'll get one then. Right. So it's like those decisions are are like made at the grocery store for me. So I just don't, I try not to keep that, that stuff um, around. I can't have have chips in like potato chips, like salt and vinegar, potato chips. If those are in my house, it's game over. I love them. I love a chip. I love a dip and I have absolutely no self-control. None. Exactly. And so, you know, that coupled with just exercise, I mean, so much of my mental um, 
being is, 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 is based on my, my ability to work out, right? Like I work out every day, you know, and I mix it up every day, but you know, I swim and I bike and I jog, I don't run, but I jog, you know, and I, and I do, I do weights and, and I hike and, you know, I just did this incredible hike that I never thought I would have done. Um, I know. I mean, I need you to tell me about that because that is such an accomplishment. Yes. Thank you. So I uh, just finished last month. I did the John Muir trail from start to finish. And how many is miles is it? 214 miles. Um, and about 48,000 combined feet of vertical climb. Wow. Um, and uh, it's, it stretches from Yosemite through the Sierra Nevadas okay. um, to Mount Whitney and any portal. Now you can either go north or south when you do the John Muir Trail. We did southbound. So we started Yosemite, we headed south uh, on the last day, summited Mount Whitney and out Whitney Portal. And we did it in 16 days. Um, you that, know, is that good, average? It's, it's, it's pretty fast. I mean, I think most people do it in 21 days. Okay. Um, we were planning on doing it in 17 days. We got up, beat, up, beat our own schedule by a day. Wow. Um, and, but this is something that I never would have done before, you know, uh-huh. these events that took place in my life. I mean, uh, hiking to me was defined as, I don't know, if you know, Runyon Canyon here in LA, yeah. but like, you know, it's like, it, it's an Instagram posting hike, really, <laughs> you know, and like, that was my hiking before, before my event, but so you know, what pandemic, made you guys want to do this? Like, what was it that sparked, Hey, like, let's train for this and do it. So the, the pandemic happened, right? And and we all kind of shifted what we what we were able to do, right? Like gyms closed at one point. And like, but like I was still able to like get out more and go for long walks and go for long hikes. And so I got really more involved in hiking, genuine hiking, um, during the pandemic for more than ever. And then um my best friend that I grew up with, Justin. He um he had a really bad tragedy in December, um, where his wife um, was killed. She was struck by a car walking on the side of a road and killed. Um, and my, their son, my godson, um, was with her, but fortunately was walking maybe 10 feet behind her, just lollygagging, looking at a flower or whatever he was doing. And so he, he, while he witnessed this happening, he was not hit. And so just an unbelievable tragedy that I, I just, it was just so hard to deal with. And, um, and so her, his father-in-law, her father, um, they always wanted to do this John Muir trail, right? They had talked about doing it together uh-huh. and through the healing process, um, Keith is the father-in-law's name, decided he wanted to do this in her memory. Uh-huh. And so Justin and Keith, um, we're going to do the John Muir trail. And they thought to invite me and ask me thinking that I, this might be something I'd want to do with them. And I was all in, I absolutely like, I would love to, to do this with you guys. I appreciate you asking me, this is going to be great. Let's do this. And so we, we got the permit lottery system and got the dates that we wanted to do. And, um, can you only do it on certain dates? Because I imagine that the weather could get pretty intense in the wintertime. Yeah, there's definitely seasons that you have to do it in. It's mostly like, you know, May through October, maybe. Okay. Um, yeah. So so we wanted to we wanted to be on the summit of Mount Whitney, 
mm-hmm. on September 15th, which would have been her birthday, oh. right? In her memory and in her honor. Um, and we accomplished that, right? So we started oh, yeah, 16 days before August 31st, um, headed southbound, and we were on the summit of Mount Whitney. We actually, it was such an incredible story. It was, you know, the last stretch of this 16 days of just this grueling grind and just mile after mile, you know, just, it was insane. But um, we we broke our uh, camp um, at the backside of Mount Whitney on on, like 1.30 a.m. on September 15th, Mm -hmm. um, packed up our gear, put our headlamps on, summited Mount Whitney, which is the tallest mountain in the lower 48 states, um, in the dark with the stars, with our headlamps on, and got to the summit about maybe 45 minutes before the sun rose, mm-hmm. watched the sunrise again on the tallest mountain on the lower 48 states, and wow. I was there to record and take video of Justin scattering Annie's ashes on top of that mountain, and it was just this magical, like, just wow. unforgettable experience, you know, and and uh, I'm so glad to be a part of it with them, and they're, they're family to me, you know, um, yeah, sure. but um, again, like, these things that I'm doing today in my life, right? Like I never really were doing at this level yeah. or the thing that happened to me on June 24th, 2018, you know? And yeah. like, I don't know. It's just, I just, I love, I love what I'm able to do today, you know? Um, and then again, I wouldn't trade it in for anything, but yeah, it was that, that's why we did it. It was a, it was a pretty crazy experience. Wow. What a really cool story and such a way to, I'm sure the level of closure that it gave, you know, her husband and her father, and then just, you know, such a nice, like sense of closure in a way to memorialize her, celebrate her and just the physical challenge. I think I think that there is not enough said about how physical challenges can help us process emotion mm-hmm. and how it is it, it can also be so emotional as you're as you're doing it. I mean, I remember I, I know I've had moments where doing something physical has helped me, you know, the endorphins, endorphins are real. You know, I always like there, it's like, you know, our it's human, it's our human body's drug, right? That that we get as a result of physical exertion. Um, but I also have recognized that and had moments where there's emotion that comes along sometimes with that because it's our body's way of processing whatever it is that we're going through or we've gone through or we need to process at the time. So, gosh, what a really special on that on that. I mean, you're, you're so right. I mean, that's why, you know, health and fitness and working out is so much a part of my daily activity in, in my life and my story. Um, but like there were two incidents on that John Muir trail trip, right? Like one was on day three and that everyone, all the research I had done going into this were like, okay, three or four days in is when you start to turn a corner where like your body kind of gets used to the sore and like you just, you know, your hot spots or your feet or all this stuff. You just kind of get used to it about three day three or day four. How many miles a day are you guys averaging? About 14. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but, but, you know, three to 5,000 feet elevation gain. Every day. Yeah. Too. 
with a backpack and because then your backpack's probably getting lighter as you go though right because you're it eating was because we had all our food on us yeah yeah but, but um so it was it, but it was getting harder as we went at the same time because we were going southbound you increase your elevation that oh, way okay because um, you're getting to the higher levels to mount right. Whitney being the tallest okay. um but on day three it was like we're going downhill it was like a 14 or 15 mile day my feet hurt everything wow. hurt i hadn't turned that corner yet yeah. and i was like this sucks. What am I doing? I had like this two hour, like mental breakdown, right? Uh-huh. Just like, what am I doing this for? Like, oh, you know, yeah. and I, I had my snap, you know, I had my total mental breakdown and I, I went to sleep that night, got up, you know, early that next morning, packed up my tent, you know, okay. I was like, this is what it is. Like, this yeah. is the mental and physical grind. And like, from that point, I turned a corner and then um, it was like just before the end, right? Um, it was the one of the biggest mountain passes that we had to climb. And we're going up this this mountain pass. And like, I started feeling like this, like heart, my heart, you know, was going. And I'm very aware that, you know, that I had an, an incident and, you know, I'm conscious of it. And I'm paying attention to what, it, what I'm feeling. And then it was like, it was pumping really fast and we're getting elevation. And it was like this steep mountain vertigo pass. I was like, Oh my God. I was like, you don't have a panic attack. Just kind of get yeah. through this. And this like fog layer came over and enveloped us. Right. So like you couldn't even see five or 10 feet ahead of you, oh which helped because you couldn't see the sheer cliffs on one side at the same time. Uh-huh. And it was this weird, like, higher power spiritual kind of journey Mm -hmm. where we're just walking and I broke down in tears, you know, and I'm like the last mile of this climb, I was like in tears going up this mountain and reached the top. And I was like, Oh my God, this was so like incredibly like fulfilling. And you know, these are these weird, these crazy moments in in life that, that happened because again, for, for all these reasons. Totally. No, I mean, I think it's, it's such a, I mean, I can only imagine doing something, doing something like that. And it sounds super just, you know, like the sense of accomplishment must've been so fantastic when you guys were, you know, walking out of there and just be like, Oh my gosh, we did this. Yeah. It felt good. It just bonds you in a different way forever as well. Absolutely. 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 Yeah. What would you say, like when when you're you know sitting here and reflecting on you know the last four plus years and seeing okay wow like say say go like when you look back at when you made that decision initially to do that sprint triathlon and you said hey I want to I want to you know focus on my health focus on my fitness what would you say the biggest like I guess what's the biggest like change or what's the biggest like thing that you're now focused on that you weren't back then? You, you know, you kind of started with, Hey, I was like, I'm going to do this. I want to kind of clean up my act for a little bit. I want to just refocus like the difference between that guy who made that decision that day and who you are today. What would you think? Or is, is there one major thing that stands out more than others? There really isn't one. I mean, there's a lot of ones, right? There's, there's, um, my conscious kind of awareness of my emotions on a daily basis, yeah, you know, and, and leaning into the good ones and the bad ones and owning them. Right. And not feeling insecure. Like perhaps I did in the past to not share them or own them. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, anxieties and fear based, you know, decisions that I had in the past. Like I, 
I try and talk through and walk through now without fear. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm self-employed today as of last month. Um, oh, where I parted ways with my company of eight years uh-huh. um, to pursue some new opportunities that I'm exploring and kind of hustle on my own right now, which yeah. I'm really excited about. And these were decisions that I were too, maybe was too scared you know, fear-based and financial insecurity and all these kinds of things to make before um, the new me, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, my, again, my 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 reactions to people and places and things today is a lot more calm than it ever used to. My ability to set up boundaries and people in my life that, you know, I, I love maybe, but just aren't serving me anymore or aren't help, healthy for me. Perhaps I'm more confident to to set those boundaries today than I was before. I love that. I think what's so great and I feel like is such a theme in all of these different conversations that I've had is this is is self-awareness and the self-awareness piece. And that's what finally got me to the point to actually, I mean, I've had this idea since 2018. So I've been wanting to do this and talking about doing it in my own mind and saying, oh, okay, I'll get it going next month. Oh, okay, I'll get it going next month. Having t- And then also, while sam- simultaneously taking absolutely no steps to get it going next month, right? Yeah, sure. And I, the self-awareness that I found this year, I, I actually, I feel, I don't know, it's so hard to explain this, but like, I feel... I can feel it that I have finally gotten out of my own way. Mm -hmm. And when you said like fear-based decision-making or fear-based thinking, that's kind of what jumped back into my head was that I finally woke up one day and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm no longer standing in my own way. And I can actually feel that. Mm -hmm. And that has translated into all aspects of my life, whether it's finally doing this podcast with how I'm being a leader at work with same thing, like you just said, like relationships with different people in life. And Hey, is this serving me anymore? Does this make sense for me? Um, it's just, it's awesome to have these conversations and feel like there are so many other people in the exact same situations. Absolutely. And sharing these stories too. I'm, I'm, I, I allow myself and I know, I know you do too, because I heard it on one of your first podcasts you use the word, you know, vulnerability. And yeah. you know, I love Brene Brown, right? I'm sure yeah. you probably <laughs> too, but like I first really learned about that concept by watching her Ted talk, you know, and like, I'm not ashamed of, showing my vulnerabilities anymore and I'm like taking those chances and back to the event. Like mm-hmm. I was here one minute and I was gone like that. Yeah. And so like, do I want to just live in fear and not do the things that I want to really do or not be the person I want to be to the best of my ability? Yep. You know, like oh. I do, like, I want, I want to make these, like I was quite frankly, really unhappy in my job, you know, for the, Four of the past eight years I've been there, Uh but like not my career, right? But my job. So it's like, yeah, come on, like do something about it. Finally, like, like you could be dead tomorrow. You still want that on your tombstone, you know? Like, exactly. Just take those chances. I mean, now, now we're adults with responsibilities, and we've got to be calculated. Sometimes we can't just maybe be a little more pragmatic than we'd like to and can't be quite as impulsive. And I'm not saying be impulsive and quit your job tomorrow, but like, you know, plan it out and think about it and like do it the right way and do it respectfully. And, and, you know, but those, those are behaviors that were, I didn't necessarily live by 
uh-huh. you know, before, because, you know, it was, what, how did it serve me? How was I best, you know, you know, what did I get out of it? And how could I manipulate the situation to serve me and all those kinds of things. It's like, now I, I can take other people's, you know, um, thoughts into, into mind, you know, make these decisions and can do it the right way. And, but you know, that, that, that it just comes with, with growth, right. And the ability to grow and what to want to grow to yeah. want really. Well, yeah, that the want exactly. I mean, that is, that is so true. It's, it's to, to have to make up your own mind, to want to make changes to who you are, to be aware enough th- to know that, you know, even some of the changes that you're making for yourself are, that are good, they might come along with some emotions that you aren't expecting. Um, whether it's like loneliness or sadness or being like, wow, I've realized that this friendship is no longer working for me. So I'm going to stop putting effort in here. But then it's like, Oh great. Well now who are my friends or now who's my friend or what happened there? Um, you know, it's funny. I was at the nail salon the other day and there was this older woman who came in and she had an appointment with the same tech that I go to right after mine. And the gal who was the, my nail technician, she was finishing and she was running behind because they were super busy in, in there that day. And she looked at the the woman and she said, Hey, I'm so sorry. I'm running behind. And the lady, she's like, Oh, I'm fine. I don't, I'm good. I don't have anywhere else I need to be later. And, um, she looked up, glanced at my nails and she said, Oh, that's so fun. What you're, what you've done there. And my nail tech says, Oh yeah, she always does fun stuff. And the lady says, well, you only get this one trip. And I was like, Oh my God, I say that all the time. Like those exact words. And I was just like, yes, like exactly. You know, so that's great. Do what you gotta do. Do what you gotta do. And like, you know, experiences for me are so important, you know, I'm not a very materialistic person, you know, I just, I want to experience it. I want to travel the world. I want to do, yeah. I want those experiences. I know you like that as well. And you know, your mom just had a great trip, you know, recently. And that's this, those are the things that, uh, you know, if I grow old, right. And I can look back at my life, like I don't want to ever want to regret. It's like, you know, those things. And it's like, do them, do them now if you can. Yeah, could be, could be gone tomorrow. I didn't think when I set out that morning to go run the triathlon that I was not going to come home that day, but I almost didn't, you know? Well, I'm so glad you did. Me too. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> well, this has been such an enjoyable conversation. Thank you for sharing and being vulnerable and talking about all the things Thank that you've you. learned. Thank you. Thank you. It's been great. This has been fun. Well, do you have any uh, social handles or anything that you want to share? Um, no, I'm not that cool. <laughs> no, all right. Sounds good. <laughs> well, like I always say at the end, if you want to follow me, you're welcome to follow me at Round Two Podcast on both Instagram and TikTok. Um, I just TikToks are fun. I don't know. I, I find a lot of recipes and a lot of people that make me laugh on there. So that's what I try to do as well. And thank you, everybody, again, for listening and for being a part of this. And we will talk to you next week. Thank you.